Willing the true nature and projecting what is not there. Thus, everyone is born with ignorance of the true nature of the, their own self. Meaning, whoever is born, nobody knows that I am limitless. That what I am trying to be is what I already am. What I am searching for is my nature. That I am limitless, I am complete. Nobody knows that. And further, Mohitam. They take themselves to be limited. So not knowing that limitlessness is my nature and taking myself to be limited. Everyone is born with this, this moha. This is called moha or delusion. Call it aviveka, ignorance, I mean, non-discrimination. Call it projection. Call it superimposition. <coughs> What's the reason for that? Daivi, Kyesha, Gunamai, Mama Maya, Duratya. There is something called a Maya. Who does this? How come, Lord, you are my own self, you are my very self. And you are nitya, ever pure, ever sacred, you are whole, that is myself. And how come I do not know that? That's what the Maya does. Mama Maya, Duratya, Lord Krishna says, it is my Maya. What is meant by saying my maya is that this maya is totally dependent upon me. 
it is not an independent principle it is totally centered on me the maya is because i am the maya shines because i shine meaning that i provide the very satta and the surti the existence intelligence functioning to this maya maya by itself is inert but acts like a sentient entity your conscious entity only because of the presence of the lord and why is this said is because there are those namely sankhyas who say that matter is an independent principle sankhya says that conscious purusha conscious being purusha is one and prakriti matter is another one now that is refuted here by saying that this prakriti or maya is totally dependent upon purusha it is a dependent principle it is principle of projection <coughs> and what is meant by projection is that projection does not create a second entity when i am standing in front of a mirror or even parallel mirrors and i see a number of my reflections even though there are many entities that are seen or perceived but in fact there is only one entity so my reflections do not create a second entity meaning that if you have to offer a cup of tea to the swami then you need not worry about how many because there may be many mirrors and many swamis may be visible but then all you need is just one cup of tea not many and so so this maya does not present something independent of ishvara it gets included in ishvara just as all the ornaments get included when we count gold so all the reflections get included when we count the image so also all these projections get included for example there is this rope somebody may look upon that as a snake somebody else may look upon that as a garland and this various people may have various kinds of misconceptions about the rope but when you take into account the rope all those projections also are taken into account meaning that the rope snake is not an entity separate from the rope is not to be counted as separate from rope this question may not arise in your mind but in may arise in mind of swami you say that this is non duality advaita and now you are saying there is maya so looks like there are two entities ishvara is one and maya is another one these questions may occur to some people to most people it may not occur you know that's all right but then it may occur and so they are troubled by this so to them this is being said that maya does not stand apart from ishvara what is the relationship between maya and ishvara a relationship comparable to that between a rope and a snake it is not that the maya coexists with ishvara it is a superimposition upon ishvara understand that therefore what is superimposed appearance appearance does not count as a separate entity a reflection is an appearance does not count as a separate entity what it does what maya does is it just makes ishvara appear as many maya creates an appearance of many where in fact there is one maya creates an appearance of limitedness where in fact there is limitlessness maya creates an appearance of smallness where in fact there is wholeness meaning thereby then the sense of smallness or limitedness that i have about myself is false that's the whole idea of maya when they say that samsara is mithya or false which means that the sense of limitation i'm suffering from is false and what is the cause of our sorrow the only one cause of sorrow in our life is that i am limited is that i am inadequate this inadequacy is the only cause for sorrow we are not sorrowful we don't feel sad because somebody said something somebody did something no in itself no, no event can cause me sorrow in itself unless i join i cooperate with that and how do i cooperate when somebody says something to me or treats me in a certain way then i cooperate by declaring that you are right i am i am i'm a small limited being so how the world makes me feel sad or sorrowful 
is by making me believe that I am a limited person. <coughs> I am inadequate person. I am a helpless person. <coughs> so only when I brand myself as helpless, I brand myself, you know, then, then only I can feel sad. If I do not brand myself as helpless, then I, nobody can make me feel sad. We must know this. That whenever I feel sad, these two components are involved. One is the world, which does what it does, pushes buttons. That's the nature. Second, I cooperate with that by agreeing that, yes, I am stupid. I am no good, I am useless, I am helpless, I am wanting, I am lacking. This is my judgment about myself based on the way somebody else treats me. Meaning that I empower them to really make me sad. If I do not empower them, all we need is to create just a distance. That okay, this is this person's opinion. This is this what they say, this is what they think. I don't have to agree with that. And suppose that yes, I am limited, then also if I gracefully accept the fact that I am a limited being, fine. Then also I need not feel sad. But I find myself limited and I don't accept it. If I find myself limited and I can gracefully accept that okay, limitation is the reality of life. It's okay, nothing wrong. It's quite all right to be limited. Whatever is created is limited. Then it's a matter of degree. Whether limited is this or limited is that. So this little part may feel more limited than a bigger part. But it is limited nevertheless. But in fact, so it is this sense of limitation which creates in me a sense of inferiority, low self-esteem, helplessness. So this is what makes me sad. My own non-acceptance of myself or my own rejection of myself is what makes me sad. I, I only make myself sad by not accepting myself or rejecting myself because I do not, I am not able to live up to my own expectation of myself. My expectation is that I must be perfect. My expectation is that I must be complete. My expectation is that I must be free and independent. It's a very legitimate expectation also. That I expect myself to be free and complete and limitless is also fair, because that is my nature. But unfortunately, the perception I have of myself is quite contrary to what my nature is. And therefore, on one hand, I have the expectation that I should be limitless. On the other hand, I find myself limited in every way. I feel frustrated with myself. And that is what makes me sad. So next time anybody feels sad, take time to analyze what caused me sadness. No doubt somebody did something. Somebody said, treated me like this, like that, walked over on me on a mat, doormat, whatever. Somebody did that. But what did I do? I also cooperated by declaring myself that I am a doormat. See, we can create that much distance between what the world does and what I do to myself. We can create, the, first of all, we understand that mechanism that I am doing it to myself. And recognizing that step, that there are two steps in war before I can feel unhappy or sad. <coughs> that is all, by the way, in light of what's being discussed with Puja Swamiji. But this is what Maya is. Maya makes me have this wrong perception about myself. And that is why all the, that is called samsara. I want to become free. And that is also a legitimate desire. Except that the one who wants to become free is already free. So I cannot become free if I am already that. Therefore, it is to be discovered. It's not a matter of becoming. It is a matter of discovering. Like the tenth man cannot become tenth man. He cannot find tenth man. He has to learn that or recognize that he is tenth man. <coughs> so, Mama Maya, Duratya, as long as you keep searching for the tenth man, you can never find him. Duratya, you cannot cross it. And so, if I am trying to become limitless, it can never happen. 
How to become complete? It can never happen. Maameva prapadyante, those who take refuge unto me, me who is limitless, those who start with this premise, that limitlessness is my nature. That is called then Vedantic way. What is meant by Vedantic way of surrendering? Is start with this premise that limitlessness is my nature. But I feel limited. Well, I need not give reality to what I feel. I give reality to what Vedanta says. Vedanta says that you are limitless. My mind says that you are limited. Which, what am I going to believe? That is called Shraddha. My eyes say that this is orange cloth. My mind says it can't be orange, it has to be yellow. So who am I going to believe? I'm going to believe the data that my eyes give. That is called Shraddha. The trust that I have in Pramana. The eyes are the pramanan, the valid means of knowledge with reference to revealing colors. If my mind has two cents everywhere and says, no, no, it can't be yellow, then we have to say mind, you know, we have to accept what the eyes say. The pramanan with reference to true knowledge, nature of myself is, is Vedanta. With reference to who I am, what the true nature of myself, pramanan, Valid means of knowledge is Vedanta, Upanishad, Bhagavad Gita. And when Vedanta says, Tattvamasi, you are limitless, well, start with that. That is called surrendering. So then what becomes the basis of my life? Today the basis of my life is, I am limited and I want to become limitless. If I accept Vedanta as a Pramanam, that is called Pramanam. It's not just simply declaring that this is Vedanta is Pramanam. What is meant by Vedanta as Pramanam is that that becomes a basis. I suppose declare my eyes as Pramanam, as valid means of knowledge for color, and still I continue to believe this is yellow cloth. Then I have not accepted my eyes as Pramanam. Eyes are telling me this is orange. I give lip service to my eyes. Yes, yes, you are right. But then, I continue to believe that this is yellow. Similarly also, I give lip service to Vedanta, that you are right that I am limitless. But, I continue to live my life based on this sense that I am limited. So, the Vedantic way of surrender is accepting this as a premise of life, that limitlessness is my nature, freedom is my nature, wholeness is my nature. And therefore, it is to be discovered, I don't have to become. It is praptasya praptahi, attainment of what is already there and not achieving of what is not there. Then human life becomes a process of achieving what is already there, recognizing what is already there, rather than becoming what is not there, creating what is not there. Then the life becomes a process of search of knowledge rather than of becoming. Mameve <clears throat> prapadyante, only those who accept this as premise, that I have to discover my true nature, I don't have to become that, I don't have to reject myself, I don't have to, you know, I have to be accepting of myself. Limitations are also fine because in spite of limitations I am limitless. If my limitlessness depended upon the fact that the body has to be immortal, no. In spite of body being mortal, in spite of mind being limited, in spite of intellect being limited, in spite of all my achievements and lack of them, in spite of whatever it is, I am still limitless. Because limitlessness does not depend upon any condition at all. So this is the premise. And that is called surrendering to Lord. This is Vedantic surrendering. Bhakta surrendering is, of course, giving benefit of doubt to the Lord. That Ishvara is always kind, is benevolent, is grace, and whatever is prasad buddhi. So prasad buddhi, graceful acceptance of Ishvara, graceful acceptance of whatever the world is, graceful acceptance of my own personality, that is all part of creation. Graceful accepting my body, my mind, my intellect. Prasada. That is called the surrendering to Ishvara. That also, that is called Bhakti. So first step is surrendering to Ishvara in terms of Prasada Buddhi. And second is surrendering to Ishvara in terms of accepting that limitlessness is my nature. 
సుదస్ జ్ఞాన యోగైన సాంఖ్యానాం కర్మయోగైన యోగినాం ఫర్ ద సాంఖ్యా ద రిదన్సియర్స్ దట్ ఇస్ ఇస్ జ్ఞాన యోగా వట్ ఇస్ జ్ఞాన యోగా ద యోగా ఆఫ్ నాలెడ్జ్ ఈజ్ డిస్కవరింగ్ దిస్ ఫ్యాక్ట్ దట్ ఐఎమ్ లిమిట్లెస్ కర్మయోగా ఈజ్ ఆర్ ద సెల్ఫ్ గ్రోత్ ఈజ్ టు ప్రిపేర్ ద మైండ్ దట్ ఇస్ కండ్యూసివ్ ఫర్ ద డిస్కవరింగ్ if my mind all the time keeps rejecting this idea of limitlessness then i cannot i'm not poised to discover that so we have to create a condition in the mind what is it reach that that the height or state or whatever you know where i am accepting of myself so what is meant by self growth is self acceptance when i have declared peace with my own self that there is no war going on within myself that i all the time keep on complaining about myself all the time judging myself all the time rejecting myself all the time being unhappy and dissatisfied with myself that battle is constantly going on when that battle stops then i am ready to discover that limitless is my nature so that is why karma yoga performing bhakti performing action in the spirit of devotion so its first level of surrender మామయ ప్రపద్యంతి దోజు సరెండర్ టు మీ దోజు టేక్ రెఫ్యూజ్ అండ్ టు మీ సో ఫస్ట్ లెవెల్ ఆఫ్ రెఫ్యూజెస్ వర్షిపింగ్ హిమ్ సెకండ్ లెవెల్ ఆఫ్ రెఫ్యూజెస్ నోయింగ్ హిమ్ ఇస్ అఫ్ మాయామీతాం తరంతి దెన్ ఫర్ ద బేసిస్ బికమ్స్ వాట్ ద స్క్రిప్చర్స్ ఆర్ టీచింగ్ అండ్ నాట్ వాట్ మై మైండ్ సేస్ దట్స్ ఆల్ మై మైండ్ సేస్ వర్ల్డ్ ఇస్ మిజరేబుల్ ద మైండ్ నో Bhagavad Gita says world is manifestation of Ishvara. My mind says that I am miserable. No. Gita says that you are also manifestation of Ishvara. Making that is the basis is called surrender. So today when I perform action, all action is performed based on my insecurity and fears. That's why Maya, what is inside is one thing, what is outside is a different thing. I can never be transparent, can never be honest. Totally. there is because of fearfulness <coughs> don't worry there is nothing to lose you are limitless you cannot lose anything and nothing else is yours anyway so there is no question of losing suppose i am convinced about it to the extent i am convinced to that extent i am surrendered i am not suggesting that you go out and distribute a wealth to the world that's not the point the point is understanding this brings about certain attitudes <coughs> that life is not based on insecurity not based on fears then alone i can be a little generous charitable i can be free <coughs> so this is how the maya is to be crossed but lord if you are my very self and all that is needed in life is to surrender to you then why doesn't everybody do it seems so simple the ishvara that we are talking about is my own self nitya shuddha buddha mukta swabhava and he is the universe he alone is so what stops people from surrendering to you only their past paap karma you know the durita they call the obstacles so next verse discusses what is the obstacle to this bhakti the 15th verse tells us namam duskruti no mudha ప్రపద్యంతే నరాధమాయపహృతజ్ఞాసురం భావమాశ్రితమాం ప్రపద్యంతే దే డు నాట్ సీక్ మీ they do not come to me they do not take my refuge they do not surrender to me why because of the past samskaras because of the what they call durita obstacles on account of the actions that we ourselves may have performed the results of those actions are today coming in my own way స్వల్ప పుణ్యకృతం రాజన్ విశ్వాసో నైవ జాయతే హే రాజన్ హూ కింగ్ స్వల్ప పుణ్యవతాన్ దోస్ పీపుల్ హూ హ్యావ్ 
very little punya. Vishwaso ne ujayate. In their mind, this Vishwasa, this Shraddha does not happen, does not occur. So it is nobody's fault that they don't believe in God. That is how it is. That is how the nature is. Maya apuhurta jnanaha. Those people who have, who are robbed of that discrimination by Maya. So this is what Maya does. Jnanam, we, our mind, intellect has a capacity to discriminate. To be able to separate between what is right and what is wrong. What is useful to me, what is not useful to me. But that very sense of discrimination is robbed away by Maya. So where Maya strikes, the greatest terrorist, you know, where it is nowhere to strike. For the human being, what really controls my whole life is my buddhi. If some of you are familiar with the imagery given in the Kathopanishad, Kathopanishad compares our life to a journey and says that we have, a, we have been given a chariot. This body is like a chariot. Our organs of perception are in the place of the horses because they draw the body to different objects. Our mind is in the place of the reins. Intellect is in the place of the charioteer. What is intellect? Intellect is a discriminating faculty which makes choices all the time. The faculty of choice. Because we are given this faculty of choice and we are also given responsibility of choice. The freedom of choice is given to us. At the same time, the responsibility of choice also is given to us. And therefore, in every situation we are required to make choice. As Puja Swami says, there is no choice in making the choice. We have to make choice. And that choice is made by intellect. That's the choosing faculty, discriminating faculty. The choice is made by, by looking at the pros and cons. What happens if I make this choice or other choice? So the intellect looks at the pros and cons and then makes choice. <coughs> so what are these choices? We are not talking about whether choosing apple or orange or roti or chapati and that's not the choice that we are talking about. Or to wear this cloth or that or you know, that is a different kind of choice. The basic choice of life, that is what the intellect makes. Yesterday we talked about it. So what first of all Maya does is, as we said, Maya creates this totally false perception about myself. Where I am limitless, Maya creates the perception I am limited. And this body-mind complex, which is not myself, it is a name and form, it is a vesture, it is a costume for manifestation of myself. Like the actor is putting on the costume of the beggar, but that is not the actor. What Maya does is, makes the actor believe that he is a beggar. The into Maya can be sometimes complete intoxication. And because of intoxication, an actor may think that he is really a beggar. That's Maya has worked on him. And that's all. Maya need not do anything further. His belief that it's not necessary that he has to be a beggar. <coughs> all that is necessary is for him to believe that he is a beggar. That's enough. <coughs> then take him round and round. Because in taking himself a beggar, there is a denial of the fact that he is a multimillionaire. <coughs> And then whatever he does, he does from the platform of a beggar. So this body-mind complex, which is not myself, Maya creates in me the notion that that is what I am. And therefore I think that I am as good and as big as a body. I am nothing but my mind, I am the intellect, and therefore the limitations of this body-mind complex are taken to be my limitations. Thus I suffer from a sense of limitation. There is Maya. So the nature of the intellect, to be able to choose between self and non-self, that is what is robbed away by Maya. Intellect has a capacity to choose between self and non-self, to recognize that I am the witness, I am the consciousness. This body is my body, I am not the body. Is my mind, I am not the mind. My intellect, I am not the intellect. 
Thus, this capacity of discriminating or separating the intellect has. That very same, very capacity is robbed away by Maya. And intellect has a wrong opinion, a wrong judgment, a wrong perception, and takes itself to be this body-mind complex, and thus takes itself to be limited. That's what Maya does. So Maya, Apahruta Jnanaha, those whose sense of discrimination is robbed away by Maya. Then what to do? Mudhaha. Therefore people become deluded. What is wrong appears to be right and what is right appears to be wrong. For example, performing an action in the spirit of giving would be right action. And performing an action in the spirit of begging would be wrong action. For a multi-millionaire, can you imagine? He's begging, give me a quarter. In the New York sidewalk, he's give me a dollar. That's what he does. He can give dollars and dollars actually. What is he doing? He's begging a dollar. So also if I had the right discrimination, my life would have been life of giving. Because I have everything to give. All my kindness, all my wholeness is there to give. Money is nothing. This is what what actually enables me to give material things is what is inside me. And if I function the spirit of wholeness, my life would have been a life of offering, giving, paropakar. Instead of that, my life becomes a life of begging all the time. I want things from the world. I want to extract the benefit. Anytime I perform an action, I want to extract a benefit. What is in it for me? Mudaha, deluded. That means wrong thing taken to be right and right, right thing taken to be wrong. <clears throat> then what happens? Dushkrutinaha. Therefore, Dushkrutinaha. People who are given to wrong actions. Karma means action. Dushkarma means wrong action. What is wrong action? An action that is performed in violation to the, the basic values of life. An action performed in violation to the obtaining order is called dushkarma. An action performed in keeping with order is called satkarma. Call it punyakarma. Call it virtuous action. An action performed in violation will be called dushkarma or it will be called papakarma or a vicious action. So then these people, this person takes to vicious actions. Actions very violates the values. Because he soon finds out that if he keeps on following values, then he cannot fulfill his desires. This maya makes me a desiring person. By making me feel small limited, makes me a desiring person. I want to become free from limitation. I want to become free from smallness. Therefore, always desiring. Unfortunately, no amount of fulfilling desires can make me feel big because that smallness is, is not a reality, then it, otherwise it can go. The rope snake, regardless of what you do, I see a snake there, so what do I jump up and down, making some noise so the snake may run away. If I stick in my hand and then I try to pound it, in the, you know, just to scare the snake away. I may chant some mantras. All of these things will work if the snake was real. But this rope snake, it will not go away, regardless of what I do. And similarly also that sense of smallness that I am feeling is like the rope snake. It's a projector thing. It will never go away regardless of what I achieve. And then a person feels frustrated. He finds himself dissatisfied in spite of whatever he gets. First of all, desires are those which are likely not to be satisfied also and therefore of number of desires a few get satisfied, many don't get satisfied. As Swamiji says, the possible result of every desire is it may be in keeping what I want, more than what I want, less than what I want, or opposite of what I want. More than what I want, he says, well, the other day I went to uh, bus stop to catch a bus. I missed a bus. I was really sad. But thank God, a friend of mine, he happened to pass by, you know, in his car. He saw me. He stopped. He took me. And then... So, I got much more than what I desired. 
This can happen. That's a rare incident, you know. But it can happen sometimes. Normally what may happen is I get a bus. That is fulfilling the desire. Often I may miss the bus also. Not fulfilling desire. Or I see a bus coming and I am crossing the street. I see the bus coming. Cross the street. But I did not take care to look around and comes a rickshaw and knocks me down. I wind up in the hospital quite opposite to what I wanted. So usually the not fulfilling desire and opposite is more common than fulfilling or getting more than what I desire. At least a person always feels that my desire is not fulfilled. It may be fulfilled also, but I don't feel that I am fulfilled. So ratio of the desires entertained, desires fulfilled divided by desire, and it is a very small ratio. If my sense of success is going to depend upon my fulfilling of desires, I can never be a successful person. Because my desires are not only in the professional field. Suppose, you know, my, all my desires are fulfilled. But I have desires at home also, from the spouse also, from the child also, from all kinds of things. Somebody talks back to me, desire is not fulfilled. The cup of coffee is not ready, desire is not fulfilled. You know, I mean, I have millions of desires. It is not that desires are only confined to my professional field or something. Even there also there is a lot of struggle. So you don't know about these days, you know, it is no more like what physician, what it used to be in medical field, no more like that. Even then also they were never satisfied. Swami, you don't know. We think that these people are making good money. You know, Swami, if you, if you calculate the number of hours I am working, I don't even make minimum wage. That's what they think. So where is, where is satisfaction? So time comes that ultimately you have to struggle against the insurance companies, against all the rogue clients and all kinds of people and hospitals and, and therefore you have to find your own ways of working through this. And thus, Swamiji, if you don't do this, you cannot survive. So you also find your own ways. Slowly violation of values. Dushkutina. This dushkarma, meaning this violation, violence or sinful action, whatever you call it, slowly creeps into our life. And higher you are, more sophisticated it will be. Lower you are, it will be crude, that's all. But it's there everywhere. Wherever you see, there is nothing but dishonesty. Wherever you see, it's a matter of proportion. Because this competition makes everybody dishonest. To compete with others, I become dishonest. My competitor knows, now I reduce the price. Because I did this, I use child labor someplace and reduce the price. So yes, so you also use it, otherwise you can't compete. And therefore in competition, then now there's a competition of how to violate the values, that's all this, whatever. This leads to dushkarma, dushvritunaha, asuram, bhavamashritaha, and more and more disappointments in life. They're going to be. More and more disappointments, more and more frustrations. Stress in one place is expressed elsewhere, so there is a frustration there. That stress comes here, everywhere, you know. It's a vicious cycle. Stress in the, in the place of work comes at home. There, there is, then there is a conflict there. That stress carries on in the place of work. Then there is a problem there. That comes back, in, you know. And this is how stresses go on and on. We are not talking about the people sitting here, we are talking about the general people, you know. <laughs> so, Dushkitana Muraha, Asuram Bhavamashritaha. You see, sometimes Lord Krishna talks about those people who are never going to listen to Bhagavad Gita. He talks about these people, they have no concern in Bhagavad Gita. Why is he saying these things? Just to make us feel good, that's all. When we look at those people, then we feel good about ourselves, you know, that's all. That's the whole idea. This is called arsavada. Arsavada is to condemn the opposites or to, to uh, praise what you want to prescribe. So what Lord wants to prescribe will come in the next verse. Before that, he says here what is to be condemned. Maya pahruta jnana asuram bhavamashita. We find slowly and slowly those violent values come in. Person becomes more and more frustrated, becomes angry, becomes intolerant, becomes angry, becomes violent. He is not satisfied that he wants more and more, becomes greedy, and then he exploits others. 
And because of feeling void inside, becomes more and more indulgent. Because how to feel that void? The more and more indulgent. And hurts others and hurts himself. Asuram bhama sita. So these kind of people, Lord Krishna says, they do not worship me. This being the case, how come people don't worship you? This being the case, the idea of worshipping never occurs to them. They are so preoccupied and so much, you know, uh, so deeply rooted in all the samsara, that the idea that something else can be there does not even occur to them. <coughs> so this verse is stated to contrast the verse that follows, okay? You know, that's the verse for us here. So the next one. Many people felt very nervous when we described this, you know. So, <laughs> you need not. Chatur vidha bhajante maam Jana sukruti norjuna Arto jignyasurartharthi Nicha Bharata Shabha So Chatur Vidaha Sukritanaha Maam Bhajatara Duskrutinaha. Earlier verse used the word Duskrutinaha. Duskrutinaha means people who are given to Duskarma, given to sinful action. This is nature. And this is how we have to watch what we do understand. When we perform an action, that action has two kinds of effects. One is action produces a physical result, a tangible result. And also the action creates an impression in my mind. And that impression will have the result of repeating that tendency. So if I keep telling lies, suppose, then that becomes my tendency, then I do it without much effort. By the same token, if I make it a habit to tell the truth or do good work, those impressions also will be planted. So doing good work will have two effects. Now one, I earn punya, the drishtafala, immediate result, punya I earn. At the same time, in my mind, a samskara or a tendency is planted. And repeatedly following, repeating that tendency will create a strong channel in my mind. And it will become easier and easier for me to do good work. In the beginning, it may be difficult, but then more I do, easier it becomes. In the beginning, smoking cigarette also is very difficult, you know. Nobody likes it. Your friends do that, therefore you also want to just follow them in. She is coughing and doesn't, nobody likes the smoke business, I presume, you know. <laughs> Swami, how do you know that? Well, I don't know. But I assume. Who will like this smoke? Who will like even tea? It's a bitter thing, you know. At first when I drank tea, I did not even like it. I said, it's bitter. Slowly then you develop a taste for that, like Kerala. You develop a taste. Doing it again and again and again, then develop the tendency. Then a day comes when you cannot do without cigarettes. You cannot do without tea. That's all the result of abhyasa. Doing it repeatedly. Therefore, we should always be watchful about what intentions we entertain. But, you know, that is most important because it is not only enough that our form of action that we perform is good, that the form is good, but the spirit also should be good. And if we are accustomed to entertaining those kind of tendencies of cheating people, misleading them, misguiding them, whatever, then that will become our tendency. So, Papa Karma meaning that a sinful action, if you may say, then it has, it creates this sinful tendency also. Therefore, you must avoid it at any cost. Because it is, it's not that I'll just get away by getting some punishment, but I'm creating a tendency in my mind. By the same token, those people who perform virtuous actions, in them there is a tendency of automatically performing that action. Then you tell that person to tell a lie, he cannot tell a lie. He cannot steal. You can't do that. You know, when we went to engineering college, you go to the smithy shop, and there they give you a rod, and then you're supposed to make an eight and some such thing, you know. You can never do that, you know. 
Only that smithy uh, foreman can do that. That's all. But then we tried. All kinds of shapes would come in. By the time it's all done, finally you finally put in the in the furnace to get the final touch. It gets burnt. You know this. Oh, something happens. You struggle with it for several days and still you don't get it and you submit it. So ultimately you give one rupee to that fellow. That's what you have to do. And then he makes it for you. First time I had to give, somebody told me, why don't you do that, you know, why are you struggling with this? Give him one rupee. It was very difficult. After some struggle, I said, okay. I, I, I didn't know how to do that, you see. There is a way of doing these things and you just don't know how to do that. How to give him one rupee? How to bribe him? I produced one rupee and like this I gave, you know, something. <laughs> I remember having done it, you know. How difficult it is. So when you have, when you have, when you entertain certain tendencies, how difficult it is to, to do something opposite. So Dushkrutinaha, earlier verse described the people who are given to Dushkarma. Sukrutinaha, this verse described people who are given to Satkarma, Punyakarma, whose tendency it is to perform Punyakarma. Punyakarma means virtuous deed. A action performed in helping somebody. That's all. In reaching out to somebody. An action performed based on your goodness, your kindness, your affection, your sympathy. So whatever good tendencies we have, when an action is performed based on that tendency, it's a good action. Doesn't matter what it is. On the other hand, we also have those, unfortunately, those evil tendencies, and any action performed based on that would become a, an evil action. So, Having performed this punya karma over a number of lives, there are people who are born with a tendency to do good. Sukrutina, they are called. So this, for the students of Sanskrit, you know, there is an inpratya here. It is in tachilyam, in the sense that, in the sense of nature. Dushkruta and in, dushkrutin, one whose nature it is to perform dushkarma. Sukrutin, one whose nature it is to perform satkarma. <coughs> so sukrutinaha. They are also fourfold. Those fellows also are fourfold. Mudaha. Then naradhama. The one we did not even read. Naradhama. Asuram naradhama. Then they become the worst in the human. Lowest among the men. So mudaha, naradhama, maha, maya, purgnana, asuram There are four types of this dushkrutinaha. Or four degrees, not four types. Four degrees. The, the culminated of Naradhamaha. Adham is the lowest, lowest among men. Just walking beasts, that's what they become. <clears throat> so this is what a human being can become. By making right, wrong choices, a person can devolve. We should not take it for granted just because I have a human birth that I will be born as a human being. There is no guarantee at all. If I live the life as a human being, I will become human being. If I live like God, I will become God. If I live like an animal, that's what I will become. So this, these people, by making wrong choices, Naradhamaha, they've gone down the ladder of evolution, the spiritual evolution. Here on the other hand, Sukrutinaha. So therefore, the secret is just do good, that's all. If we cannot do anything else, the sadhana for self-growth is simple, do good. Be good. And do good, you know, this kind of saying. They are all sutras. But anyway, that means have good intentions and do good as much as you can. That is the sure means. And if you do good without any expectation, then that will result in your self-growth. Do good with expectation, that will give you material growth. So doing good alone will give you growth, material or spiritual. But if doing good is done with a desire, then you get material growth. Without desire, inner growth. So do good, number one. Number two, as much as possible, do it without desire. <coughs> that is a sukrutina. Having done this for many, many lives, those people whose nature it has become to perform good actions, bhajan, they will have that, they will have the, the desire to worship Lord automatically. You don't have to teach them. They are born that way. Some children are born that way. In our own families, we know that the grandmother is performing the puja. 
you know, every morning at seven o'clock in the morning, and then this little thing comes crawling, and slowly sits in the lap of the grandma. Then, then one day she wants to also do the bell, you know, okay. Then someday it wants to do something. Someday wants, to, and this is how it loves. Some children don't care for that kind of. They play with that uh, shivalinga and throw it around, you know. That's another kind. But this is this kind. That just enjoys doing what the grandma does. They are born with those tendencies also. You can create the tendencies as well, but you find some children just love things. They love to chant, they love to do this. Others, they are not interested in that. We don't want to judge anybody. All we are saying is that the tendencies we are born. We can always also train them and create. That's the whole idea, that we have to create the tendencies. But each one of us is born, is born with these tendencies. Maam bhajante, and they worship, they automatically are born with Shraddha in Ishvara, in scriptures, in, in Mahatmas, in teachers. They are born with those Shraddhas. <coughs> I'm sure all of you will recollect your own childhood also, and as you were growing also, you'll recollect this. That this was there. It is not an accident that you are all sitting here. It's not an accident. It's the culmination of a lot of things. In everyone, I'm by puja, I don't mean that everybody is interested in puja per se, but in some ways interested in doing something good or, or some form of worship. Everybody may have different, uh, you know, traditions, different forms, doesn't matter what the form is. Whether it's puja done at home or whatever is done. But each one will find that there was always a tendency, there was always a liking. That you, you love to listen to Ishwara's glories. Now, you may love to listen to Ramayana, Mahabharata, Bhagavata, somebody may listen to Bhagavad Gita, in some ways, but it's all glories of Ishwara. So that created joy. That shows that there is Punya Karma. Creating that creates anger. That means Papa Karma. Listening to glories of Lord creates anger. What do you mean Ishwara is like that? Everyone is kind. What do you mean? That is all Papa Karma talking. To somebody else who says Ishwara is kind, oh yeah, yes. it just seems to work out all right. Seems to, that is Punya Karma. So women love to listen to the glories of the Lord. And glories can be in different ways, understand? When Lord Krishna says, I am the taste in water, that is all glories. That you are happy that, oh, Ishwara is everywhere, how wonderful that is. That idea itself is, you know, appealing to us and it creates joy. That is all Punya Karma. So, bhajan temam, this is Ishwara's bhajan, that you enjoy listening to his glories, you enjoy singing his glories, you enjoy listening to the teacher, you love the teacher, you want to serve the teacher, you talk about him, you praise him, all this is punya karma. Because otherwise that will not occur to us. What are these swamis doing? The people doing, you know, talking, all kinds of things, about the same person. So you can see Papa Karma talking and Punya Karma talking. This is not to judge others, this is only to look at our own self. The earlier verse also was described not to judge anybody. Oh, Swami, I now you told me, you know, that the Duskritina, all this Muda, Naradama, it's not to point somewhere else. But all we can say is, some of those tendencies are there in us also. We are not perfect yet. So when we find those tendencies, we locate them and try to get rid of them. And deliberately planned the tendencies of satkarma. This is to be done. Maam chatur sukritano janaha maam bhajante. Those punyavan, those people who are given, see, the transfer are given to good action, means whose nature it is to do satkarma. They worship me. In their heart, there is a shraddha. In their heart, automatically, there is a faith, there is devotion. It's there. Either you have it or you don't have it. It's not that you can will the devotion. You cannot will the Shraddha. If I don't have Shraddha, I can pray for it. But I can't say that I will love you. I can't will that. It has to happen. You know? What can I do? It has to happen. It doesn't happen. There's nothing you can do. And so also you stand before Dakshina, somebody says, what is this rock doing here? Somebody told me that, you know. Literally. What is this rock doing here? That's what he sees there. Here, standing before Dakshina, somebody sees a rock. Somebody sees a piece of art, and somebody sees God, you know. It, it depends upon where we are. And there is nothing we can do about it. If you want that to change, we can pray. Do good work, satkarma. 
and prayer. That's what will bring about these things. So Lord Krishna says, what's the condition that people worship me? Satsukrutinaha. And then Lord Krishna says, there are four kinds of four gradations are given here. Four grades of devotees. Artaha, Jignasahu, Artharthi, Jnani, Chabhartashabhaya. The first grade of devotee is Artaha. The person who is in distress. Meaning that, who worships Lord to become free from distress. And of course, everybody is like that. Everybody has distress and pain in the life. But then when we do not find any way out of the pain or distress, then we surrender to the Lord. Oh Lord, I am surrendered to you. You please save me. There are examples. Those who are familiar with Puranas know these examples. Draupadi is a classical example. In the court of the Kauravas, when she was derobed, unrobed by Dushasana, at that time she could not get help from anybody. Not from Pandavas, not from Kauravas, not from anybody. For whatever reasons. Some dharma was quoted, you know. Everybody had reasons to to not help her. You can always quote lines from this Smriti because, you know, you can only justify. But nobody helped her. Ultimately, she threw her arms and said, Oh Lord, where are you? Don't you see that I am in the midst of this Kauravas? Don't you see what they are doing to me? In the midst of this, how come you are not here? And then Lord came. He, he, there was an avatara. He got incarnated. What is the other? Vastra avatara. He got incarnated in the form of the, 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 the garments or the cloth. And so this fellow kept on pulling the sari. A new sari kept on coming. This avatara of the Lord is called Vastra avatara. He comes. Gajendra is another one. That elephant. He went into water and then he was grabbed by a crocodile. And then, then that a tremendous battle happened. It went on for hours and hours. This, this elephant was very strong. But then it was, he was in water. Ultimately, crocodile turned out to be strong. After many hours of battle, then the elephant found that he was losing the battle. He was sinking. He was, the crocodile was pulling him in water. And slowly started sinking in water. The water came all up to ears and I mean nose and ears. And he realized that now he can't be saved. That time, Govinda, Govinda, you know, Krishna Gopukare. Then he, he urges to Lord, hey Govinda, please come. The story goes, when he uttered Govinda, the Lord Krishna is in Vaikuntha. The go is heard there, by the time Vinda is finished, already here, you know. And with his chakra or disgust, he uh, destroys the crocodile and saves his Gajendra. Now, very famous stories. Vedantins don't much care for these stories, but in Bhakti, the Bhakti Acharyas and all the, for them, these are great stories. Because it shows grace of the Lord. The devo- the, how Lord always cares in, in, for his devotees. <coughs> Artha. This is one kind of devotee. Jignya, Artharthi, second one. Although, as far as the Partha is concerned, text is concerned, Artha, Jignyasu, Artharthi, but as far as the meaning is concerned, we should take Artha, Artharthi, Jignyasu. Artharthi is the fellow who wants security and pleasure. Artha. Arthi means the desirous of. Artha means the pleasure and, and comfort. So, person who is desirous of material wealth, of material prosperity, he also approaches Lord. There are many in India. Many. Tirupati is the richest lord, not because of anything, but because of Artharthi Bhaktas, you know. So many Bhaktas, many devotees of the lord, always make a deal with the lord. That if you get this contract, you will get this percentage. He gets a small percentage. Tirupati doesn't get a big percentage. Small percentage. One person, point one percent, you know. That's what he gets. But he gets that much. But he's so popular that even that also makes him the richest god, you know, in India. Arsasi, making deal with Ishvara. That I am doing this, provided you do that. That, that again, Ishvara has to fulfill his part of the contract first. Then alone he gets Ishvara. Otherwise he doesn't even get Arsasi. The Arsasi doesn't matter. Come to me. Somehow you come to me. He's waiting. Arsasi. Then the fellow grows into the next level, Jignasu. Parikshalokan, Karmachitan, when your desires are fulfilled, then you recognize the limitations of fulfilling desires, and then there in Pariksha happens in your life. Nirveda Maya, then there is Vairagya. So, all right, I have achieved all of this, and still what? 
where am I, you know, as far as the fulfillment is concerned in my life, where have I reached? I seem to be as dissatisfied, unfulfilled as before, in spite of the plenty. That's how he sees the limitations of the material achievements, and there is now in him an, an insight about the life, an understanding of what he's seeking. Thus he becomes a desirous of knowledge. Recognizing that the life is for praptasya praptahi, attainment of what is already attained, that limitlessness is discovered, not to be achieved. The vijnanartam sa guru for that knowledge, seeking that knowledge, he approaches the teacher. Subjects himself to the upadesh of the teacher and becomes ultimately jnani cha bharatashavara. Recognizes that limitlessness is my nature. Brahman is my own self. <coughs> so Lord Krishna says, these are all fortunate people. Very fortunate they are. <coughs> they worship me. That someone worships God is a great fortune. And they are in four grades. Arthaha, Artharthi, Jignasu, and Jnani Chakrabhashama. Okay, we'll continue. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamevavashishyate Om Shanti Shanti